welcome, 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 everyone. Thank you, Ioni. This is Ann McNeil, and we thank you for joining us today for another My Investing Story. And as always, everybody has an investing story. It's just that some of us are willing to share it. My name is Ann McNeil, and I am the Master Wealth Builder, helping you to build a stronger and better life and business. And along with my co-host, Ms. Ioni McNeil, it is my honor and pleasure to welcome you to another series program as a part of the My Investing Story, Better Investing Financial Empowerment Initiative, where every week we bring to you a phenomenal guest who's willing to share their investing story. And our guest this week is none other than Dr. Mark C. Shug. That's Shug like hug. And he is willing to share with us his journey as a part of his investing story. And let's just find out a little bit about him before we start and a little about the organization. Mark, Dr. Mark Shug is a professor emeritus at the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee and president of the Mark Shug Consulting Company. He is also a senior program advisor at Lakeland University in Schobingen. Welcome to the program, Mark. And we're going to talk a little about this organization that we're all volunteers for. And that's none other than the fabulous <laughs> number one volunteer organization, in my opinion, entitled Better Investing. And Better Investing is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization. And this organization has helped over 5 million individual investors learn how to invest with investment education. The organization also utilizes investment education, online tools, and analysis tools to create lifelong investors like Ioni and myself. Actually, Ioni and I are members of our South Florida chapter of Better Investing. So I just wanna make sure that we know that we are not investment advisors. We're not recommending any stock. We are not promoting any particular type of investing. We are very simply volunteers volunteers who are committed to you to bring you investment education through the stories of our guests. And so with that, Ioni, I'm going to turn the program over to you as we talk a little about Mark, and then later on, we'll come back and talk a lot more about Mark and a lot more about better investing. So welcome to the show, Ioni and Mark. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you well, Thank you. Welcome, uh, Dr. Shug. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ioni. We can go by Mark. That's okay. 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 Uh, well, I'm actually really excited. I've um, been hitting up all of my teacher friends and I, I want them to come on because you're going to be, before you leave uh, the show, you're going to definitely be providing them some information that I think that you are uniquely positioned um, to provide. So I usually start off at the very beginning, but I'm actually going to start in the middle of your story. Um, not every professor becomes a professor emeritus. So could, you, so could you talk to us a little bit about 
how did you get into economics and how did you come to, to become a professor of economics at the University of Wisconsin? Uh, I took some, I got involved when I was a high school teacher. I, I, I got involved in a curriculum writing project and that put me in touch with some people at an organization called the Minnesota Council on Economic Education. And then I started taking some graduate courses. So I, I don't know what you guys think, but you know, when I was a high school teacher, I was going to be a high school teacher. I, I thought it was amazing to be a high school teacher. I, I never thought I would do anything much different than that. My family didn't, you know, we didn't go to college. I mean, that just wasn't in the cards except for my brother and I. And uh, so I was, you know, I never had any goal. I was amazed I got that far, right? So, but then I got involved at the University of Minnesota and I started taking some classes and then I, then I took the plunge and, uh, you know, then when you get the PhD, it kind of changes things. And uh, so then, then I got into higher ed after that. Uh, it probably limits where you work too, you know, <laughs> it probably well, limits where you work too, when you get well, a PhD. Well, that's for sure too. Yeah. Uh, and when you get into higher ed, you can really go anywhere in the country mm -hmm. and, uh, I was very lucky to get a, a great job at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Excellent. So let's now um, go back to, because you know you mentioned in, in this short little while that you and your brother are first-generation college students. Uh, so take us back to your earliest memory of uh, money and your relationship to money. How did your family... Um, grow up either talking about it, not talking about it, handling it. What, what is your first memories of, of, um, of money when you were a child? My first memories of money as a child is not having any. Uh, <laughs> uh, my parents uh, were quite poor. And uh, uh, by the time my dad retired, uh, they were clearly a middle-class family. And that's because they ran a business, uh, took a couple of chances. Uh, and they were successful. But yeah, my main memory is not having much. Uh, we, you know, we had a great home life and all that. We just didn't have any money. <laughs> so my parents were involved in investing. Uh, you know, my brother wound up being heavily involved in that sort of thing. Uh, and so we didn't talk. We, we, what we did is we worked hard. Uh, that was the one thing uh, you know, my parents demonstrated that if you're going to do good in this world, uh, go to school and work hard. And uh, my brothers and I, we sure learned that lesson hard. Well, that's interesting because I think many people, especially of your generation, um, probably didn't come from much. But was there even a sense of watching your parents uh, take care of the bills? Were they the, were, um did you happen to kind of walk out when they're at the dinner table at night and, you know, paying things? Uh, did they talk about it at all? I mean, even with not having it, sometimes it's a, that's not a child discussion or it is, yeah, we could talk about money. We don't have any, you have a roof over your head. <laughs> so was, was there any tension of it or it was just like, if you work hard, you can get it, you know, go out and be whatever you want to be. It, it was more the second thing you're describing. Uh, I love your story of going with your mom and going to these investment meetings and so forth. None of that. No, the, the kind of the culture in my family was he really didn't talk about this stuff very much. Uh, you sort of learn by example. My father was a very frugal man. 
and so I, you know, you learn from that and you learn to be careful with your money and things like that. But the idea of really plunging in and saving, and I mean, not the saving part, saving part, yes, but the investing saving part, part. Yes, but investing part, no. Investing part, not so much. Even when my yeah. dad passed away, he, you know, uh, it wasn't pretty where he had his money parked. It just wasn't very pretty at all. Well, you you know, it's it's interesting too because we we've had some other generation of people on the on the show, and it really is a, a sign of the times when you talk about um, parents of the Great Depression, um, and then their children and their view and perspective and relationship to the stock market you know usually they're hard workers they're savers but anything outside of that don't trust it you know that's, um, that's, so that was that was my dad he had cds uh at one time he bought some what was called apple bomb stock uh that blew up on him and he never went back so he did a little real estate but after that it was cds yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that you're on because you also are speaking to a generation of people that had to learn it their own way. Um, so, so with you not growing up in a household that talked about money, can you remember the first time you um, came into the concept of economics and investing and the difference between the two and and how you end up allowing yourself to learn about it and then um, capitalize on it? Like some of your other guests over the years, I came to it a little bit later. Uh, you know, you love to talk about compounding interest and so do I. Uh, in economic terms, when you know about compounding, you're demonstrating the opportunity cost of not saving and investing, what you sacrifice. Exactly. But uh, no one was showing me any compound interest calculators. <laughs> Uh, and so it, actually I, I finished my PhD. I've got my first real job at UW, well, my third real job, but my first job as a professor at UWM. And that's when my wife and I finally started to settle in. And so I'm coming to the game a little bit late. I'm like 30. Uh, so lost some time, made some bonehead moves. Oh, geez. I mean, I was a young teacher teaching in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. I don't know if um, Michelle, we were talking to her earlier, knows the Midwest a little bit. This is way in the Northwestern part of Minnesota, almost about 50, 60 miles short of Canada. I was just glad to get a job, but guess, guess what the first product I was introduced to as a beginning teacher was an annuity. And that annuity, if, as long as I'd stayed in that district, it probably wouldn't have been okay, but we know annuities tend to be high cost, low return. And then when I took a job in another school district, the whole thing blew up because I couldn't take it with me. Uh, so, oh, you know, and that may have soured me a little on the deal too, because uh, that we had to convert it into a life insurance policy. It was just a mess. Uh, so it took a little while before we came back around. And I made a few other good bonehead moves too along the way. I'm really glad that you brought that up because we do have some teachers listening and I know you skirted over it because you're familiar with it and it was bringing up, a, you know, some, some, some bad memories of Juju, some people call, but um, that is one of the, I don't know whether to say worst kept secrets or best kept secrets, depending on the, the, the perspective, but many teachers, professors, people in the education field 
um, they get pushed these annuities and they get pushed these these securities or I should say annuities um, within their 403B or their retirement plan without understanding it at all. So can we take this time to, to kind of talk about what is an annuity, how it may be redundant inside of a, a 401k and like you said, how it limits your growth. Because um, I, I want to spend a little bit, we don't generally at all, I think only one other time early in the show with Mark, Mark Parks, we talked about annuities. But um, it's, it's probably one of those things that, you know, um, is not understood very well. Well, an annuity is an insurance product. And uh, there are situations where people would want to have annuities. I have friends that have annuities. Um, and what it is, is you put money in and then at a certain age, you can get money out as like a, you know, a, a flow into your retirement. Well, that's great. Uh, but in order to get that security of that flow, you pay a lot of money over the years that had an opportunity cost. It could have been used differently. And often, not always, but often these come with fairly high fees. So you're kind of in a high fee, low return uh, kind of situation. And again, uh, some teachers that are very risk adverse may wish to have this product. That's just fine. It depends on how they sleep well at night. But what our, my concern is, but they weren't introduced to having a nice large cap mutual fund in, in exactly. equities. You know, they, exactly. they didn't see that the other alternatives they could have had in their 403B, a nice, a nice uh, uh, standard and poor's 500 index fund uh, that would still bring a lot of security uh, but have much lower costs. Index funds tend to be very low cost and, and pretty good return if you're in the S&P 500 over the long run. So that's kind of the objection. And in fact, uh, according to the Securities and Exchange Commission, we're not. this isn't trivial. Uh, we're talking about a trillion dollars that may have, of teachers that may have been, I don't want to say misled or bamboozled, yes. but yes. kind of, because because they were paired little. with salesmen and not, you know, financial educators that kept their best interests at heart. But go ahead. That's yeah, well, that, that's the concern. Head. And so the SEC right now is actually doing some <laughs> investigations. There's two or three firms uh, that they're looking at. Well, there are hundreds of other firms that did just fine. But I so, want to get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's something in there that uh, uh, so especially a young teacher um, school districts. I think Ann knows something about this, too, that school districts only present a certain amount of vendors because it's a employee, you know, it's the 403B. So the employer has to approve uh, who the vendors are. And so you might only have one or two, I know one school district where their choice was Aetna and that was it. Well, you know, Aetna is an insurance company. God love them. I, I know that's just fine. But then annuities are mainly and, and life insurance products are their only choices. That's really a limiting set of alternatives. So let's take this time to move into a point of action. What would be the number one? <laughs> let's go, come on. <laughs> and you are actually a very active man. We're not gonna get into that, your exercise <laughs> routine. But um, but moving into the point of action, I'll, I'll get back a little later into um, how what was your beginning investing point, I, I, I'll tell you a story, story a little bit, is you started with your retirement plan. 
so the places you work, you started investing with what was the options that were presented to you, correct? Yeah, we, we got started with uh, setting up a nice 403B, uh, getting distributed into some nice mutual funds. Uh, and so, well, first, you know, I'm, I'm a higher ed guy, okay? So we have a teacher retirement plan. That's really nice. Then I started a 403B. Now, I also am a consultant. So then I opened up a SEP, which is a simplified employee pension. And so for those of you out there that run small businesses, mm -hmm. self-employed, uh, yep. self-employed, this would be a gold mine. So I got some great financial advice. Somebody told me, uh, one my financial advisor said, you ought to have a SEP. I've set up that SEP. I maxed out on that SEP. Uh, and so we maxed out on everything uh, possible that was tax advantaged before we'd go to other kinds of investing. Well, that's excellent. And now I'm going to shift a little back in the timeline right now, because you didn't become a consultant at 30, did you? You know, I've been running gigs my whole life. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, when I was a young kid, I was a rock and roll musician uh, and uh, we were playing there for a while. I was playing six nights a week while I was in college. Um, I always had gigs going. And then when I started teaching, I kind of fell into curriculum writing. And my first, uh, my first uh, paycheck was a Wheaties t-shirt or Wheaties sweatshirt that I got for, I did some work for General Mills in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. But yeah, I've, I've been doing this a long time, but when I got into higher ed, I did it a lot more because that then you have a little more flexibility. And when you got the PhD, you know, more business tends to come your way. And then I've had a few books that have sold well. So that's, uh, that's been a big help too. Wow. So when you were 30 and, you know, um, starting to max out your different retirement plans, you also had a SEP IRA back there? No, it took me a little, I didn't know about it right away, but okay. as soon as yeah. I found out, I set you that opened up. one yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely something that we came in contact with um, after we learned about an IRA, uh, Roth IRA. Um, but yes, so it's for some people that, that don't know, if you are self-employed, that's why it's called SEP, S-E-P. No, it's, it's, it's called a Simplified Employee Pension. Pla plan. So the S is simplified. Yeah. That's the word. And But if you just enter SEP, you know, mm -hmm. a SEP, and uh, go to the IRS, and they'll give you all kinds of great definitions. Uh, so for those of you, again, that, that uh, run your own businesses, uh, if you're a small, uh, like a sole proprietor or run a small uh, co company, uh, this would be a great, it's, it works just like a 403B. You, you max out on that account, right? You can put as much in as the IRS will permit, and then you can invest it any way you wish within the uh, umbrella of that SEP. But the great thing about the SEP is that out of all of the retirement plans, it has the highest contribution limit. Yes, it does. Good for you, Ioni. You're right about that. Yeah, I don't have a SEP. I just know about the SEP. <laughs> well, you, well, you need to have a business in order to do it. And I know your mom. Yes. Your mom. Yes, we set, set one up for her. Right. Um, that's why I know about it. Um, you know, when, when you know better, you do better, not just for yourself, but the people around you. That's right. Um, so, yes, you can. You can. I have a minor correction here as a silent partner. Uh, we is Ioni as a teenager set up my set 
And so I just want to set the record straight for all of those entrepreneurs out there who have children that if they work with you in any kind of capacity, you have the opportunity to also have them to participate in their retirement account, regardless of what age. And Ioni, I think you started participating in your rock hour at 15, 15 years old. And how old are you now? Double that. She's double 15, so she's been investing and maxing her Roth hours since age 15. Since she brought that subject up, I just wanted to let the record, set the record straight. Now, we do have the dean just joined us. And, you know, anytime the dean joins, we do have to pay respect to the dean, about when in the event he'd like to come on and, and have a, a word with um, a Dr. Shug. So I just wanted to say that because um, this is a family affair and all of you are part of our family. And while I have the microphone just for a second, I, you know, I just want to remind everybody that Better Investing, uh, we are volunteers and Ioni and I are part, actually Ioni is our um, local vice president of our South Florida chapter of Better Investing. But I just wanna make sure everybody understands we are a group of local volunteers and we're dedicated to investment education for investment clubs and individual members, not just in South Florida, but, but really nationally. Uh, this program is a part of our financial empowerment initiative that's a part of a national movement on behalf of Better Investing to really bring the stories and let individual investors know that, you know, uh, just the public to know you can start right where you are. Ioni and I started with a $20 bill. That's my $20 bill story. But we help as volunteers, we help assist in the formation of new clubs. We visit established clubs for training and troubleshooting. We conduct investor fairs and investment training. So with that, Ioni, back to you. And we just want to remind everybody that we are interviewing and uh, excited about hearing Dr. Mark Shug's story. We talked earlier about a little bit about his, his background. We want you to know that he speaks and writes about economics and financial education. And Mark has written and edited over 200 publications, over 125 articles that have appeared in national journals. He also written and co-authored over 25 books and monographs. And his latest book, which I asked him to please bring so he can share with all of you, his latest book is entitled Teachers Can Be Financially Fit, Economics Advice, uh, Economist Advice for Educators. And so Mark, we're excited again to have you. And Ioni, I don't know if at this time you'd like for us to ask um, the Dean Bob Wren if he'd like to make a comment. And I know I'll, I'll uh, take my, uh, take my uh, comments. Oh, there you are, Bob. Well, I just want to say a quick hello to everybody. And uh, this is, of course, just a, a feast to my eyes to see such wonderful, uh, experienced and knowledgeable people all uh, on one uh, picture here. But I really don't have to say anything because I've got people there who, who are just carrying on the mission and the the movement. So it's just always a pleasure to be in your company. And it's wonderful to see uh, just how knowledgeable Ioni is. She's just continuing to grow and uh, it makes us feel good about 
what can be done for the next generation. And I'll just say, uh, while I have the mic, a uh, personal thank you to Dr. Mark Shug. Uh, I'm multitasking and actually beginning to write the report on our summer stock market game. And uh, mentioned uh, the McNeils, of course, and I've mentioned Mark's name a couple of times in this draft report. And uh, it's been one of the, the most um, outstanding, unexpected pleasures and successes to have the McNeils and Mark Shug, all the Floridians, as part of our uh, initiated uh, game uh, program that was really going to be part of uh, the Milwaukee program, but the Floridians really added a lot of uh, support for what we're doing. So we're really looking forward to uh, what we can do next as a coordinated team. Thank you. Good to see you, Bob. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to let everybody know, you know, we uh, it's like an acronym, you know, when we're accustomed to using certain acronyms and then we're talking to people that have absolutely no idea what that acronym means. Bob Wynn is a retired um, board member of the National Association of Investors Corporation, better known as Better Investing. And he is a large reason why many of us are sitting on this My Investing story. And so anytime he shows up anywhere we're present, we really want to give honor where honor is due. And he has done, oh my, I can't even begin to describe the work he has done nationally and even internationally for individual investors and investment clubs. And so Bob, we thank you for everything you've done, all you're doing and all that you will do. So thank you for that. And I just wanted to share that with those who might be listening for the first time wondering, why are they talking about this guy? Who is he? Well, listen, Hang around long enough and you will find a lot more, find out a lot more about him. And actually we, we alluded to the, the um, stock market game for the youth and Ioni will tell you more about that, but it was a phenomenal experience and we're looking forward to continue that uh, initiative on behalf of uh, this organization. Thank you. Back to you, Ioni. Thank you. So uh, Mark, before I ask you some questions, there were a few questions that came into the chat. I just want to uh, say them aloud for the benefit sure. of, of all. So the, the, the first one is, what is a 403B? And my response to that, simply put, is a 403B is a retirement plan offered by a nonprofit and or educational institution. A 403B is very similar to a 401K, but 401Ks are offered by for-profit corporations. So get familiar with the terms, they all mean retirement plans. Now, if you happen to work at somewhere like I did when I was a teenager that did not offer a 401k or 403b, then you could go, go to a financial institution, a bank, a, um, a brokerage house, and you could open up your own IRA. And that's how IRAs came into existence is because um, the government realized that not all places of employment offered financial plans, uh, I should say retirement plans. And so, you know, the IRA is was created so that people that worked but didn't have a retirement plan offered by their employer could start their own retirement plan. And so a traditional IRA or traditional 401k or traditional 403b just means that that money is taking taken out of your paycheck pre-tax. So you don't pay taxes now, but when you withdraw the money during retirement, you pay taxes then. 
a Roth 401k, Roth 403b, Roth IRA is when you contribute to that plan with your after-tax dollars. So you pay taxes now, your net income, you contribute it to your retirement plan. And when you withdraw that money during retirement, you do not pay taxes. So it becomes a question of whether you pay taxes now or later. If you were to ask us the question, what should I do? We would all say we're not financial advisors. Please consult somebody that has that type of licensor, license because it very much depends on where you are now, what tax bracket and where you think you will end up in that tax bracket. Um, I was born poor, so I decided to pay my taxes now because I was in a low tax bracket. I still make under $50,000, so I still pay my taxes now. So all of my retirement accounts are Roth because I would rather it grow uh, tax-free so that the gains of what I take out in my retirement um, will be tax-free. So well, just to add to that, yes, one please. of the things that people miss, and see, you know, I'm an older guy, right? Uh, these required minimum distributions, they hit you hard. Uh, you know, the, so for hard. a 401k, it's pre-tax dollars. Now the federal government is not going to stand around and not get their money. And so you have to start taking money out at seven, age 70 and a half. And those, that can be a pretty big bite. If you have done a good job and you're actually have a good flow of income in retirement, that can be a pretty big bite when you pull it out. So the beauty of the Roth, if you can get into the Roth, the beauty of that is Ioni says you pay your taxes up front, but then it grows tax-free and there are no required minimum distributions, right? Because you already paid the tax on it. So there's, you don't have to worry at some late age that you're gonna have to pull things out. I will add to that because I've had somebody actually on, the, on our last podcast episode, they mentioned the advantage of the traditional, which is for anybody that feels they cannot afford to start investing in their retirement, the traditional option allows you to retire now. I'm not um, invest into your retirement plan now and thereby reducing your taxable income now because that money is being pulled out uh, before your taxes. So, you know, again, consult somebody that's a financial advisor about your situation so that you can maximize your contribution to something that works best for you. Uh, Mark and I just share what worked best for us, but please do your own research. Um, the next question was, where can you get a, um, um, a SEP IRA? And so again, like all the other um, retirement plans, you can go to a bank, you can go to a financial institution. Uh, more often than not, any place you can get a brokerage account, you can get a SEP IRA. Um, any place you can get a Roth IRA or traditional IRA, you can get a SEP IRA. It's just another form of a individual retirement account. Um, yes, Mark, you have something before? The well, I was just going to say, Cindy Cooper is asking about. Oh, what yes. So that's when... that's the next one I'm going to bring up. Okay. Well, you, you asked the question and I'll, I'll try to have an answer. Of course. So um, the next question, well, and then there's a correction about the ret retirement minimum distribution right now is 72 and a half. So um, again, good, good. do your research so that you know, because these things change on a on a yearly basis, um, contribution limits and all of that stuff. But um, a question from a teacher asked, any recommendation for teachers nearing retirement 
Um, and when we say near retirement, we're going to say within five to 10 years of retirement. These days, we do have access to 403Bs online now. I like the idea of steady income during retirement, but also considering doing a 403B7. Mark? The first thing, uh, there are several things, but just off the top of your head, go to the Social Security Administration and open up your account there. Uh, and you want to check to see what the flow is going to be in your Social Security. So that's a very important thing to keep an eye on. Um, and you, you want to make sure those records they have in there are correct. Uh, you want to check if you're a Florida teacher, you want to check the Florida uh, teacher retirement plan. Uh, the teacher retirement plan in Florida is reasonably good. Um, it's not quite as well funded as it could be, but it's, it's up there. It's in the top, certainly in the top half, maybe a little even higher than that. It's funded at just slightly less than 90%. The trouble with it is one of the big problems with it, you have to be a teacher for eight years before you can get vested. Uh, but mainly it's a good plan. And so you wanna look in there and there's a calculator there on their website. So you can put in what you think your income is gonna be when you retire and, uh, then, and how many years of service. And then it has a little formula and they'll calculate the formula and boom, that's a number. Okay, so you wanna look at your flows in retirement. Those are two big ones. Uh, the main thing right now is for the 403B to max out, uh, to get as much of that as you can, and then to max out in an IRA, uh, either a Roth or a traditional. Uh, probably a Roth would work quite well. Uh, and then the brokerage account, join a, a Better Investing Investment Club, uh, those you get all those simultaneously can happen. But the main thing is you really, there's a little advantage. They allow you to put in an extra thousand uh, dollars when you're nearing retirement. There's no way you'll catch up completely because time is not on your side anymore, but, uh, but you can do better. You know, so maxing out now will mean you can do better uh, than you would if you don't. Uh, so th those would be some uh, kind of top of mind uh, pieces of advice. You, you, for most folks, you know, if you're looking at how much income am I going to need in retirement, it's probably going to be not too far south of where you currently are. And so, you know, you save some money in retirement, but not a lot. Uh, and so if you want to have a reasonably good lifestyle. You want to see if you can be at about that level that uh, you are right now. So for most folks, you look at your Social Security. For teachers, they have a defined benefit plan. That's their state retirement plan. That gives you two forms of flow right there. Uh, if you have a spouse that has a social security and perhaps a defined benefit plan, that's two more flows coming in uh, every month. Uh, but then you have to look at your personal savings as well and start talking about how you may have to draw that out. Now, some people don't never even get to that point because they live on the flow that they've got. But the vast majority of teachers pretty much have to have their social security, their pension, and then some way to draw out uh, a modest percentage of their savings every year. Thank Is that you, okay? Yeah, I think so. She said that uh, she's working on maxing out her traditional Roth accounts, because that really is the biggest thing uh, for people that don't know. Um, if you're under 50, I believe, your 401k or 403b has a limit of $19,500 as of this year. Uh, your IRAs, traditional and Roth, have a limit of 6000 if you're yeah. under 50. 
Yep. Your SEP IRA has a limit of close to $50,000 a year. Um, so, you know, if you can max those buckets out, it's, it's definitely going to, um, going to help you. Now, before we get to your book, I'm just going to ask you one quick question. Um, the question is, does Mark recommend rolling a 403B into a regular Roth or IRA fund in your portfolio? Then you could choose your, um, then you could choose your investments more? Yes. Uh, upon retirement, your 403B, it's an employer-based plan. So it's just going to sit there. Uh, so it'd be, uh, most, most advisors, I think would say, uh, that you, now you, you talk to your financial institution and you roll that 403B. Oh, so when my wife retired, she had a 401k for her company. We rolled that right into an IRA. When I left the university, uh, a few years ago, cause I'm emeritus, uh, <laughs> to be, uh, uh, emeritus just means you, you got out without any lawsuits or anything. Distinguished. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> anyway, so, uh, you know, then I immediately rolled my 403B uh, into an IRA. And so th that's the normal practice. And by the way, you folks out there, if you've left a job behind and you got, I I'm meeting with a friend for lunch where I has got like three 401ks laying out there with uh, former employees, former employers. And I'm saying, hey, man, come on now, we got to clean this up. You know, let, let's talk to your financial institution, just get them on the phone, give them the information, and they'll be able to roll that into uh, an IRA. Well, thank you for that. Um, we have one more question and I, I wanna get to your book, but I think we can definitely do this question. I'd like to know what inspired Mark and Ioni to start investing and what mistakes or lessons learned did each of you encounter throughout your journey? Uh, after your lessons learned, what, what would you do differently? So that kind of takes you back, Mark, to the beginning of how you started off you know, you, your first three jobs, you got into some things that um, uh, you really didn't know about. And if, if you could have done it differently, you would have done it differently. But the best thing about it is in each of those experiences, you took ownership and therefore you made a different decision. So that's exactly right. Uh, you know, I think people sometimes get very emphatic and excited and enthusiastic about saving and investing because they made mistakes. They really would like to help other people avoid doing that. And so, you know, you're, you know, we, the first point in our book, one of the first points is start early, right? Start early, buy and hold and diversify. You get those three things going for you, especially if you could get started like Ioni's age. But if you didn't do that, I mean, when she was even younger than she is now, but, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, if you can get started at 22, 23, if you get started at 18, if you get started at 16, you got all those years uh, for that compounding magic to, uh, to take place. So, yeah, I think that's why some of the reasons people get excited is if you made a mistake earlier, you'd like to prevent others from making the same screw up. And I just want to add to Mark, they can get started at 50 and 60 also. Well, there's that too. Uh, if you haven't started, when would be a good time to start, Anne? Right now. <laughs> right now. No, no, no. You, you, yesterday. Howard Johnson said yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. And yesterday I think Howard is Johnson, the best time to start. And Howard right. Johnson got started at 49. <laughs> so and he's been in uh, in the market 20, 20 years and he's 100% uh, 
uh, invested in equities, in equities. stocks. So, and please. he is on tonight also too. So we yeah, I see so I see he's on, and I was yeah. I'm really glad you remembered uh, his comment about the best time of to start course. is yesterday. I can't forget that. <laughs> but Anne's right. So if you haven't started now, if you hadn't started up till now, now is the time. This is that economic term that Bob Wynn likes: opportunity cost. Uh, you're you're just sacrificing a lot of potential income uh, by not getting going now. And then I, the point I love to make always is that it becomes a self-fulfilling thing. You know, first it's hard. It's like diet and exercise. It's hard in the beginning. It's all pain, no gain. Uh, but you know, after you've been exercising for five weeks, four weeks, you start to feel better. You start fitting your clothes better. You and after six, after mm -hmm. six months, after a year, it's the same with savings. You see that money build up, your blood pressure goes down, your, your financial insecurities start to fade, and pretty soon you can kind of relax. Even in the middle of COVID-19 and all the craziness going on in the world, you can still say, I, I'm okay, you know? <laughs> Well, that's excellent, Mark. Let's get over to your book. Oh, okay. um, so let somebody ask. Uh, and I don't know if the person that's asking the question, if you were on from the very beginning, one of the mistakes that Mark said that he made was getting into an annuity into in his retirement plan when he was 30. And so what he learned and did differently from that was to then um, invest in mutual funds into his retirement plan. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, let's move on to your book, Mark. Uh, can, can you bring it up for us, please? I, will, I happen to have a copy right here. And it just came out within the past month, correct? correct. Teachers can be financially fit. Economist advice for educators. There so let's 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 uh let's pull a few lessons. Um, um, what are some of the topics that you're speaking on in this book, Mark? Well, it's directed to teachers. Uh, it, this is good financial advice for anybody. But we really, uh, it's 14 chapters, and every chapter starts out with a case study of a teacher. Um, I was at uh, we had a neighborhood block party uh, this past Labor Day weekend, right? And a second grade teacher lives in the neighborhood. And I said, you know, we have got this new book called Teachers Can Be Financially Fit. And she got a big smile on her face and she looked at me. She said, oh, it's a joke book. I said, and see, <laughs> that's the attitude that a lot of teachers have is that, oh, you know, we don't make a lot of money. And so there's a lot of financial insecurity among teachers, and there's a lot of teachers that really feel they can't do very well. Exactly. Uh, we did, we, in preparation of the book, we did a big national survey. Uh, we are having trouble getting the book, getting a book contract. And, and one of the people told us, hey, you really need to make the case. The teachers really need special help. So we did. We went out and made a survey. Well, one of the first things that popped up is that teachers are financially insecure. They believe that they don't make enough money. To, to become secure, they often feel they have to be dependent on a spouse uh, in order to do reasonably well in the world. Uh, a lot of them, you'd be surprised the jobs teachers do. So we have a whole chapter on earning extra income because a lot of teachers do, and a lot of teachers have businesses. Uh, they, they run coaching camps, they, they write curriculum material, but then they tend bars, they drive Uber, uh, there's all kinds of different things. So we have a special chapter uh, devoted to that. 
uh, teachers also uh, have some special issues in terms of uh, managing debt, student loan debt and that sort of thing. So we have a whole section on that. Uh, the retirement stuff is a little bit tricky for teachers. Sometimes teachers do know that they have a certain amount of financial security with the teacher retirement plans, but the teacher retirement plans vary quite a bit. Now, I was talking to Michelle earlier who spent a lot of time in Illinois. Well, Illinois is on the edge of bankruptcy and they are out of 50 states, they're number 50 in terms of underfunding their teacher plan. Now, if I were an Illinois retired teacher, I'd be waking up every day thinking, oh my God, when is this all gonna blow up in our face? Now, if you teach in Florida, uh, the odds are much better uh, that you'll be able to actually see your teacher retirement. Uh, I, you know, my plan is in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, uh, almost always, but they're usually number one. They're extremely well managed. But how, why does it work so well? Because it's modest, right? Uh, I'm not making anywhere near what I was making on the pension when I was a full-time professor. Whereas if you retire from New York City teaching after 45 years, you retire pretty much at full salary. So those of you who aren't teachers, you're just saying, oh my God, I can't believe this. Well, it's true. Uh, some of these programs are very generous, but that also usually means that they're badly underfunded. Uh, so they might appear to be generous, but they have issues. So, and then there's teachers in private schools. They're in a completely, and in some charter schools, uh, they're in a very different situation. Some charter schools can't participate. They're barred from participating in the state retirement plan, even though they're a, a public school teacher, charter schools are public schools. Uh, but then a lot of people in private schools, you know, the little Catholic elementary schools, the little Lutheran schools, uh, I'm not talking about the high end university prep things that have, you know, a pretty nice campus and pretty well paid teachers. There's just a lot of teachers that have very modest salaries in those situations. And a lot of those schools don't even provide 403Bs. And if they do, they, they almost certainly don't even have a match. And so those teachers really, so my first advice to people that have a modest income is you really, now you, you really have to get your act together because you can become wealthy, but you have to make those choices with what you earn. And it's even more important because you earn a little less. And so you have to make those dollars really stretch. So you have to make some sacrifice. Uh, but once you're on the trail, like I said before, once you see that start to grow, then you think, oh yeah, we're gonna make this. And really, Many, many public school teachers should actually be able to retire and have a net worth of a million dollars. I firmly believe that uh, between living somewhat frugally, getting involved in the investing scene and your teacher retirement and Social Security, you should have a net worth of a million or close to it. So I'm, I'm going to modify that just a little bit. Living, living within your means, below within your means. Living below your means. Be becoming a better investing member. Uh, and and by doing that, we mean actively attending uh, the webinars and the trainings and investing in your investment education um, so that you know how to best invest in things that's going to give you the greatest um, amount of return, financial return, while minimizing your investment risk. Now, SSG does that. The stock selection does. God does that. And I'm not going to give you any more than that because you need to become a better investing member. You need to start investing in your investment education and come to understand how you can make 
the best financial decisions for yourself to make your money work for you. Now, what Mark said, if you only did what Mark and Warren Buffett said, which is invest in great index funds that reflect the entire market, where you want to say S&P 500, invest regularly, which is a better investing principle, reinvest all of your dividends and earnings with the right time horizon, yes, you can easily become a millionaire. And when we say time horizon, we're saying anywhere between 20, 30 years, right? Now, with that being said, one thing before the other, which is all of those situations and, and, and um, unique situations you described about teachers, is that being um, discussed and touched on in your book? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, excellent. Uh, we say in the very first chapter, the secret sauce is you have to spend less than you receive. That's the secret sauce. And you say you have to have this financial knowledge. We think this book will provide you a good basis of financial knowledge, but that's just step one. Step two is you actually have to go in the gym and start lifting the weights. You actually have to cut back on diet. You have to cut back on the sugars and have a good reasonable diet. Well, here you have to set up your 403B. You have to get it. Well, first you got to get a budget. You've got to get an emergency fund. You can't have a good investment club or excuse me, investment uh, portfolio if you're going to have to rate it every 10 minutes when the transmission goes out. So you have to have a solid uh, uh, emergency fund or rainy day fund. And then you have to get going on your, your investment side. So you get those things all moving in the right direction. And uh, this book helps with that a lot, but it also helps with real practical stuff like buying a car, buying insurance and things like that. But the big news, okay, the really big news about this book for teachers is our whole, we love teachers. We want them to be financially successful. But the subtext of the book is that if you're a teacher and unlike my neighbor who says it's a joke book, it's, you, you are confident now, and look at Ioni, look at Ann, look at Bob Wynn. These people are all successful people. We're, none of us were born with money, and yet this is how we turned out. Um, and so being that confidence and then showing that to your students, that second grade teacher who is proud of her work as a saver, she's financially responsible. She can spend time with her family. She's really ready for a family emergency or a, something that would go wrong. And she can show her students with confidence that this is works. And then she can reach for those materials. So if you go to that one website we recommended uh, that is called financiallyfitteachers.com. You got to get the whole thing in there. Financiallyfitteachers.com. We feature the book. But then just a little starter set, we have some nice tools that are sort of designed for teachers, like how a teacher could reduce their college loan debt and things like that. But then we have a whole nice little set of all online materials uh, so that you could get started with your students. One, once you understand the secret sauce and once you start to go into the gym and actually do what needs to be done, then don't keep it a secret. That's the last uh, chapter. Don't keep it a secret. Share it with your colleagues. Start an investment club at your school. Uh, uh, the authors would be happy to do virtual reading groups. So get together five or six teachers and we'll zoom in. There are four of us uh, uh, that wrote the book and, and uh, we, we will share the load and be happy to come 
uh, visit with you electronically and uh, go in a little bit deeper on some of the principles in the book. So I'm talking a long time now. I'll no, no, <laughs> th this, this is excellent because as, as everybody that's on right now, um, we've shared Mark, Dr. Mark Shook's personal information. He just made an offer to you. If you are a teacher, if you purchase his book, him and his co-authors are interested in talking with you, um, helping you, guide you. So please create um, a book club, a study group where you can kind of learn together, invite him, invite his other co-author um, so that they can answer your questions. Either become a better investing member and start your own investment club or check out the chapter near you and visit um, the model investment club, all model investment clubs are open to the public. So please, I just visited the North Florida chapter model investment club this past Tuesday night, Monday night or Tuesday night. And, you know, great information. Uh, the South Florida model investment club meets on the third Saturday of the month, unless there's another event going on. Um, our next model Inve investment club meeting is going to be October 24th, Saturday, October 24th at uh, 10 a.m. So you can go go on to betterinvesting.org, look up um, South Florida chapter, go to local events, and then register there. It's free to attend. We, as Better Investing, are, um, are open to you joining us or at least visiting, visiting us for a while. We have the 90 day free trial membership on the front page of our web, website so that you could try out our tools, try out our, our video tutorials. Um, so please become active, investing yourself by investing your investment education. Um, one thing I do wanna get into before we close all, out is, you know, for many of us, and especially like Miss um, uh, Cindy asked in the chat, we're so focused on how to build our retirement to our retirement date, but you are retired. Howard Johnson is retired. Bob Wynn is retired. We've had a lot of better investing members, um, although you're not a better investing member yet, I don't think, Dr. Shug, but we've had a lot of retired better investing members that talk about the importance of investing in their retirement. So can you take this time to just speak on that too? Because you know, it, it's a fallacy to think that your retirement age is the finish line and then you're just going to coast because, you know, you may end up living 40, 50 years into retirement. Um, and if you're not continuing to grow your money, uh, you can easily run out of it. And, and then it also can provide some hope. If you didn't get to the amount you want to at retirement age, you still have many more decades to allow it to grow so that you could you know, start to live off of that ever-growing nest egg? Well, a lot of it depends on your individual situation. I mean, we will say that over and over. If you're relatively healthy and your family has a history that you guys live a long time, well, maybe you want to stay in securities a little bit longer uh, rather than just all getting into bonds and cash in your retirement. Uh, we just had a very big dip in the stock market in March when you know, the government shut the economy down and the stock market went, you know, lost several thousand points. Well, guess what I did? 
just the same thing you guys did is what we bought on the dip, right? So I moved, I moved a pretty big chunk uh, into uh, some nice equity funds. And, uh, and now I'm, I'm, I'm staying. Uh, I don't know where this is going to go uh, until I see something different going on. Uh, I'm just going to hold Pat. So I'm going to, I'm going to buy and hold uh, for this. So I'm, I actually am a little more exposed in securities now than I was before. Now, somebody my age and my family really doesn't live a long time. So, you know, I, uh, I do have to be a little conservative in my uh, investing these days, but I, but I only makes a great point. And I, I really, if you see, if you get the flows right, you really shouldn't have to worry about running out of money. You really should be able to manage this. You only, only pull out about 4% a year. If you can offset that with some equities, you know, and keep that flow going. So to keep, you know, to keep your investment flow happening at the same time, you really should be able to sustain it uh, uh, through your lifetime. Uh, but you're right, you have to maintain an investment profile. You just can't uh, put it all in CDs uh, or cash. Well, thank you. I think that was well said. Um, we're wrapping up, Dr. Shug. So uh, is, is Can there I show anything? them the book one? Uh, there Please. it is. I, I want you to, because the, the book for tonight is Teachers Can Be Financially Fit. Teachers Can Be Financially Fit. And I want all the teachers to know from my heart to yours, I want the best for you financially, health-wise, life longevity, all of that. Please, you know, don't overwhelm yourself. We are here with you. Thank you for showing up each and every week, joining Better Investing, being a part of the Model Club, coming onto my investing story, asking questions because we are here to hold your hand. We are here to be with you. We know that, that, that this is the first time ever that teachers ever got so much gratitude during COVID when, kid, when parents had to deal with their own kids during school time. But we've been here all along. We support you. We love you. Please, please invest in yourself. Get Dr. Mark Shug's book. Invite him to come to talk to your book club as you read the book. Because we, we really know, and, and as you join Better Investing, you will know that a lot of people, in fact, one of, one of the best presenters in Better Investing is a high school math teacher, um, Ken Kavula. So please, you know, we are regular people that have invested in our investment education and we wanna offer the same to you. Uh, so with that being said, anything in addition to them getting the book that you wanna leave as words of wisdom or, or advice to, uh, to everybody, Mark? No, I just wanna thank Ioni and Ann. Uh, it's so great to have you as new friends down here in Florida. And thanks to our buddy, Bob Wynn, uh, who put us together. So I just uh, thank you guys. And I, I've, I've used the term opportunity cost. Uh, it's in the evening here. All of you have to make a sacrifice to come here. Uh, so I'm just grateful to you uh, for taking some time to listen to my story. Before I hand it over back to Miss Ann, I just wanted one last announcement. Um, anybody interested in attending our beginner investing class? Uh, please visit um, betterinvesting.org, check out the South Florida chapter, the local events, and then the beginner investor classes right there. You can click there to register. 
or you can look us up on Eventbrite. Um, the first class is this Saturday. So with that, I'm going to hand it back over to Ms. Ann. Wow. Uh, and, you know, we say this every week. This has been one of the best. And I am uh, just putting in the chat our Facebook group because we do want to have people continue to follow us. So um, our Facebook group is the Better Investing Southeast Florida chapter. And I just put that in the chat. It will also be placed inside of Facebook if you're following us. Wow, Mark, I have two pages of notes myself. And we did add the link to the uh, financiallyfitteachers.com website. So we wanna make sure everybody has access to that in addition to the ISBN number for the book. So Michelle, if you and uh, Marshall can just confirm that the ISBN number is in the chat, both on online and also in the Zoom. We wanna thank you. Listen, I, we have a phenomenal team, Laverne, Beryl, John, cannot forget Doretha and Marshall and Michelle. Um, this has been a great show. <laughs> and uh, you, you have to come back, Mark, because the questions that individuals were asking, you shared for free. And we, we started this program off telling everybody, we're all volunteers and we bring on guests that are volunteering and we're not selling anything. So I just wanna make sure people understand that. Uh, he's retired, he's coming to share with all of us. And as volunteers, we have volunteers all over the United States who are willing to just share. We have individuals who have come and shared their stories with all of you and all of us, and we're going to continue to do that. If you'd like to participate, let us hear from you in the chat. But what we also wanna to do too, is we wanna be your accountability partners. We want you to each week you come, can you share with us one action you've taken since the last time? Maybe you bought a book, maybe you signed up for a stop, maybe you signed up for better investing, Maybe you just signed up for our Facebook group. And before we let everybody go, can we ask each of you in the chat on Zoom and also in the chat on Facebook to tell us your one commitment. And we're gonna start doing this Ioni, every week because we're here to help support people, but Mark said it well, you must take action. You might, you know, listen to all this wonderful information is great, but what action are you willing to take right now? I'd like to suggest the first action you should take is let us hear from you in the chat and then let us hold you accountable. Again, my name is Ann McNeil and I am the master wealth builder, helping you to build a wealthier life with my partner, Ione McNeil, the baby billionaire. And we're always so very excited to bring you the very best in our guests. So with that, Ione, we're gonna say good night, Mark, uh, we thank you so very much. Thank you. Ione, always, Ione, you're the best. And uh, I am just so glad God blessed us with you. So with that, we're going to say good night to all of our fans and friends on Facebook and also on Zoom. And we will, yes, we'll see you next week. All right, good night. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. My pleasure. Oh, Ione, you want to play some music on the way out? And I'll end on the music. How about that? It's always good for some music, so. Yeah, why not? Let's do that. Yeah.
I hear the music in my head. <laughs> I actually had closed it down. So. Oh, okay. All right, maybe next time then. Okay. Next time. All right, okay. good night, everybody. Good night, folks. All right, All right. All right.